250 years ago in Russia, just a few months before Pesach, a young non-Jewish boy disappeared from a village near the town of Lyozna. The rumor began to spread amongst the non-Jews that the boy had been kidnapped by the Jews. The poor and defenseless Jews were filled with terror because in those days, a rumor like this could easily bring a vicious attack by a wild mob. Two enemies of the Jews were behind the plot, one named Nikolaev and the other Kozitsky. They had indeed taken the boy away to an uncle in a distant village, and then they started the rumor in the hope that it would allow them to have a pogrom and rob the poor Jews of their valuable possessions. The leaders of the Jewish community met to discuss ways that they might avert this terrible catastrophe. A young boy in yeshiva interrupted his studies to become a detective. His name was Chaim Shimon. His heart told him that the two notorious enemies, Nikolaev and Kozitsky, were behind the plot, for they always tried to make trouble for the Jews. So he decided to follow them to see what he could learn. Chaim Shimon's efforts were not in vain. He overheard the two making plans to present an official complaint with the governor of the city of Liozna, accusing the Jews of kidnapping the missing boy. They planned to do so on the coming Friday night, when all of the Jews would be celebrating Shabbos Kodesh. So Chaim Shimon made friends with the doorman at the governor's house, and the doorman promised to admit him on Friday night. As that fateful night drew near, Chaim Shimon was becoming more nervous and more excited. Finally, as Shabbos Kodesh came in, the tefillos welcoming the Shabbos queen were sung in shul, and later at home came the usual Kiddush, Hamoitzi, and the Suda of Shabbos Kodesh. Chaim Shimon tried to appear as calm as he always did, when the meal was over, he asked his parents, Rushus, permission to visit a friend. As a snowstorm was expected, Chaim Shimon told his parents that he might stay over at his friend's house if the storm was bad. Once out into the street, Chaim Shimon quickly made his way to the governor's mansion. Unfortunately, there was another doorman on duty. He did not know Chaim Shimon, and he refused to let him in. When Chaim Shimon tried to beg him, the doorman pushed him into the snow. Many people would have simply gone home, but Chaim Shimon was made of stronger stuff. He went around the side of the mansion, where he saw brightly lit windows. He climbed up and looked in, and could see the governor and some other officials sitting at a table, and there, sure enough, were Nikolaev and Kozitsky, who had indeed gone to the governor's mansion to present their accusation against the Jews. Chaim Shimon knew that time was of the essence. He banged on the window, 
and a few minutes later, the doorman came, pulled him down, and dragged him inside on the governor's orders. When the governor saw a nice Jewish boy dressed in his Shabbos clothes, he asked Chaim Shimon, What is the meaning of this disturbance, young man? I have come to tell you what I know about the missing boy, said Chaim Shimon. I am sure that you want to know the truth. Nikolaev and his friend Kozitsky became uneasy, but nobody took any notice of them. They were all looking at Chaim Shimon as he spoke up in a clear voice without any trace of fear. This morning, he began, as I walked quietly behind Nikolaev and Kozitsky, I heard Kozitsky say to Nikolaev, When we go before the governor this evening, you must speak clearly and convincingly so that he will be impressed by what we say. To which Nikolaev replied, Don't worry, I feel confident. No one will suspect that I made it all up out of my clever head. We're going to make a lot of money out of this affair. The Jews will come along with bribes to appease us, and if not, we'll simply rampage through their neighborhoods and take whatever we want. As Chaim Shimon told his story, everyone listened with eager attention, but Nikolaev and Kozitsky could not hide their dismay. They awoke to the fact that they had better do something to make the governor think that the boy was lying. So they began to deny everything Chaim Shimon had said. They even suggested that the Jews of Liozna had put him up to coming to the governor with this fantastic story. At the same time, Nikolaev and Kozitsky began to abuse and yell curses at Chaim Shimon. But Chaim Shimon was unaffected. He replied calmly, As it happens, not only did the Jewish community not send me here, but nobody at all even knows that I'm here, not even my parents, for I did not want them to worry about me. It was my own idea to come here, for I wanted you to hear the truth. Chaim Shimon spoke so clearly and sincerely that his listeners that his listeners could not but be impressed by his words. The governor told Chaim Shimon to wait in the big waiting room while he and the other officials went into another room to discuss the matter. Suddenly, Nikolaev and his friend Kozitsky burst in on Chaim Shimon, ready to tear him to pieces. But Chaim Shimon was no weakling. He gave Nikolaev a mighty blow that sent him flying to the floor where he struck his head against the bench, causing it to bleed copiously. Now Kozitsky came in to attack, but just then the governor and the other officials came into the room, having heard the noise. Nikolaev and Kozitsky boldly declared that the boy had attacked them, even though they had invaded his room. Chaim Shimon denied it, of course, saying that he was only defending himself. After some deliberation, the governor decided that since it could not be proven who was telling the truth and who was not, all three of them would be whipped. Nikolaev and Kozitsky would receive twenty lashes each, and Chaim Shimon, being only a boy, would receive fifteen. The governor ordered them taken into the basement, 
where the whipping was to take place. He sent for the official whipper. The whipper came with his whip, which was made up of long, thin reeds. When everything was ready, they threw a girdle, a lottery, to see who would be the first one tied to the bench for the whipping. The two bullies trembled with fear, for as it is well known, bullies are just cowards at heart. But Chaim Shimon showed no sign of fear or weakness. Kozitsky lost the girdle. It was his turn first. He began to tremble with fright. The whipper and his assistants began to tie Kozitsky, who struggled fiercely, but all he got for that trouble was a few extra blows. They pulled off his shirt, wrapped him in a large wet sheet, and tied him to the whipping bench. A clerk came forward with a pen and a paper and asked the trembling and terrified Kozitsky if he had any confession to make. He declared that he had nothing to confess. So, at a sign from the governor, the whipper began to whip. Kozitsky began to scream with pain at every lash, and by the sixth whipping, he could bear it no longer and begged them to stop as he was ready to talk. The whipper lowered his hand and laid down the whip as the clerk came forward again with a pen and a paper, asking Kozitsky if he had anything to say. It was obvious when he spoke that he wasn't telling the complete truth, so the whipping commenced again. Kozitsky was writhing and squirming. The wet sheet was torn to pieces and soaked with blood. When the whipper came to the fourteenth lash, Kozitsky made a sign indicating that he was prepared to confess. Haltingly, he told them that Chaim Shimon had told the truth, that he... Kozitsky and his friend Nikolaev had kidnapped the missing boy and hid him with a relative so that they could extort money from the Jews, and that in their rage they had attacked Chaim and Shimon when the governor left the room. The clerk took down each word as it was spoken and then asked him to sign the confession. Kozitsky could barely hold the pen, but he signed and then fainted. Having finished with Kozitsky, the governor now brought in Nikolaev. When he saw the horrible state that his friend was in, lying there on the bench, groaning with pain, covered in blood, he shuddered. Immediately the order came for Nikolaev to be whipped. Nikolaev's screams pierced the air, and at the eighth lash he motioned to stop that he too was ready to confess. So the clerk brought the pen and the paper and wrote down what Nikolaev admitted to, that Chaim Shimon had told the truth while he and Kozitsky had lied. Both of these bullies were now dragged off and thrown into jail, with a guard put at the door so that they should not escape, although in their condition it was hardly likely that that would be possible. And as for Chaim Shimon, he was told that he was free to go. In view of the terrible storm that was raging outside, he asked permission to spend the night in one of the rooms of the governor's mansion, which was granted. And he retired with relief, because now 
the Jews of Liozna would be saved from the awful charge and punishment of the false blood libel, that they had kidnapped a non-Jewish child to use his blood in the baking of matzahs. The next morning, Chaim Shimon returned home in time to accompany his father to Shul. As they hurried along, his father didn't even think of asking what had happened. He understood that his son had spent the night at his friend's house. He had no idea what an adventure his brave young son had actually been through and what a hero he really was. Chaim Shimon davened, and there was nothing in his attitude which could possibly arouse comment from anyone else, and the matter might have remained unknown to the Jews of the town had not one of the heads of the Jewish community happened to meet one of the men who had been at the governor's mansion on that Friday night and who reported the exciting story of a young Jewish boy who had brought to justice the two bullies and anti-Semites, Nikolaev and Kozitsky. Several days later, the leaders of the Jewish community received an official letter from the governor asking them to arrive at the town hall where they were informed of what they had already learned from the man on Sunday. They were asked to find out who this young Jewish boy was and to bring him to the governor as the governor wished to see this young hero again. Chaim Shimon gave no indication that he knew who the boy was. He certainly gave no hint that it was he himself who was the hero that the entire Jewish community was now seeking. The situation was becoming tense as the governor was beginning to demand that the boy be brought to him. The Rav announced in Shoal that the boy, whoever he was, should no longer hide his identity. If he continues to keep the secret, said the Rav, even if he wants to be modest, in this instance, it's hurting the Jewish community. So the Rav begged the unknown hero to make himself known without further hesitation. Upon which, Chaim Shimon stood up, walked up to the Rav, and told him that it was indeed he who had been at the governor's mansion on Friday evening and had had the schus to be Hashem's instrument in saving the good Jews of Liozna. The following day, the heads of the Jewish community brought Chaim Shimon to the governor as requested. He patted the boy on the back praised him for his courage, his self-confidence, and his heroism. He also ordered a further whipping of 25 lashes each for Nikolaev and Kozitsky for attempting to involve the governor in their lying, evil plot against the Jews. The governor called a meeting of all of the non-Jewish residents of the town and made Nikolaev and Kozitsky declare publicly that they had kidnapped the missing non-Jewish child and they had made up the story that the Jews had done it. At the same time, the governor took the opportunity to warn everybody not to dare lay a hand on any Jew. He asked all honest and decent non-Jews to help the Jews defend themselves in the event of a possible attack on the Jews by some unruly and irresponsible hoodlums. Easy to imagine the great joy that swept through the Jews of Liozna. They called Chaim Shimon the hero, and that name stuck to him from that point onward.